Without the ones like you, who work tirelessly to keep things running, everything would suddenly stop. Hospitals, factories, schools, and power plants, they all depend on you. No matter the weather, emergency, or time of day, you're the ones who get it done. At Granger, we're here for you with professional-grade industrial supplies. Count on real-time product availability and fast delivery. Call, clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done. Hello, everyone. Welcome back to Lincoln Journal Star's Life in the Red podcast. As usual, your hosts, Luke Mullen, Amy Just, and Wilson Moore. We got the whole crew back. We got schedule news. We got stuff to break down, some sports updates, of course, to get to here. Uh, but we've been out and about. We've been going places. You got on a little bit of vacation. I did. We'll be there soon enough. Don't worry. And I'll be there soon <laughs> yes. enough again as well. I'm already ready for another one. <laughs> yes. So hope hope all of you at home are uh, enjoying your, your junior summer so far already. Um, but so you definitely know it's the off season when kind of the hot topic is, is schedule news. But the big stuff that we want to get into, the Big Ten released uh, the new upcoming conference schedules for the 2024 and 25 seasons. And of course, this is a big deal. No more divisions. Uh, things have changed. Yeah. For now. Yep. Things have changed a lot, college football nationally and within the Big Ten. Uh, so real quick before we get into the schedule, just to break down the format a little bit um, compared to other conferences, ACC going through similar things, uh, moving to a 3-5-5 format. That means three protected rivalry games, uh, five other opponents, and then cycle through the rest of the conference, the other five teams they didn't play. This was also a format the SEC was considering. Um, three protected games, six alternating. Couldn't really decide. They ended up going with an eight-game slate uh, for just 2024 uh, before they figure out their future. So when you're looking at the Big Ten, I mean, this was something that they definitely could have done. Protect three games, alternate six, uh, but they they go a different way. They decide to protect a different amount of rivalry games for each team and let the rest kind of figure itself out. Do we like that? I mean, they went from max chaos. Um, I like how you know, certain schools are doing certain things for what they feel is best for them. I think that gives schools agency to be able to do what they want. Um, Like Penn State, weirdly enough, didn't want to protect any of its rivals, where Iowa, on the other hand, has three protected rivals in Nebraska, Minnesota, and Wisconsin. So, you know, all of the schools are doing what they think is best for them. Nebraska chose to just have one protected opponent in Iowa, which I don't know if I like just having one, I think three is too many. Um, cause that, you know, certainly eliminates you from playing like teams that you haven't played in a million years. Um, but I don't know. I like the potential to have two and that's a lot of, that's what a lot of teams did was two. Yeah, absolutely. And athletic director, Trev Alberts, uh, briefly kind of made a radio appearance last night. He said, the Big Ten kind of went through the athletic directors. They were they were saying, hey, submit your first protected rival if there are going to be two. You know, submit two names if there are going to be three. Submit three. Said, obviously, Iowa was number one choice. Wisconsin, number two. And Minnesota uh, was his third choice. So worth noting, those were the uh, the opponents Nebraska kind of set out for itself. But kind of the, the bonus here is that every team is going to play every other team in a two-year period. I mean, that's we're getting to a 16-team mega conference, so still being able to see every team is is kind of the the plus there. Yeah, and I think that's an improvement on the system that's been set up over the past couple of years. You know, like like Amy said, you know, divisions are gone for now. We don't know exactly what the future 
holds, but um, if I'm not mistaken, you could go a lot longer than that uh, without playing a team not in your division with the way the schedule is set up before. So I like that. I think that's generally good for the conference, good for fans, that they're going to cycle that through a little more. If you're a fan of a team, you'll see every other team in a much shorter period. I think that's I think everyone benefits from that. Yeah, I mean, to your point, so Nebraska went four years, uh, 2013 to 2017, without playing Michigan, several three-year periods without playing Ohio State and Penn State as well. You know, we're talking about these divisions, you know, these these big teams from the the former East Division, but kind of the... It's not dead yet. <laughs> One more year. I'm, I'm ready. <laughs> I'm ready to implode the divisions. Uh, as the Big Ten commissioner, Tony Petiti, he also mentioned on the uh, the Big Ten's kind of schedule announcement that competitive balance, you know, was kind of important in this decision. He said, he said the regular season was competitive, but he said, look at the, the conference title game. He said they're all, they're all won by the East Division. Yeah, well, I mean, the Big Ten West has been kind of garbage. Not kind of, it's just been garbage, um, especially as of late. So this helps with competitive balance. It worries me, though, that, you know, now we have the potential for a game to be played against between the same opponents two weeks in a row. Absolutely. Potentially. Um, It has happened before. um, You look, you know, within the last several years um, in the Pac-12, it's happened. Um, Yeah, that'll be weird. But I mean, I guess if those are the two best teams, those those are the two best teams, though, you wonder what would happen in that second matchup. Yeah, that definitely happened in the Big 12, too. I think Oklahoma, Oklahoma State had that happen a couple of times. Rivalry game, you know, it's they didn't have a divisions in the Big 12 for a few years. So, you know, that ended up going to the conference title game. So, yeah, that that does make for a, a unique dynamic. But uh, with with having these matchups set now, we can finally kind of dive into who Nebraska is getting for 2024 and 25. Uh, let's start with the, the 2024 season. So the teams coming to Lincoln, uh, home games for Nebraska, they'll face Indiana, Michigan State, Minnesota and Wisconsin. So. A few teams, you know, that they know really well, uh, Minnesota, Wisconsin, come here quite a lot. Uh, but Indiana, Michigan State will come as well. And then you look at the road games, going to Iowa, Northwestern, Penn State, Purdue, and UCLA. Uh, so overall, still, you know, it's a lot of the same, you know, kind of divisional teams that they're playing. But you throw in Penn State, you throw in UCLA. Uh, those are two very, very marquee uh, road games there in 24. Yeah, and like... This, I feel like, eases Nebraska fans into change. Like, the only Big Ten West team that they don't play in 2024 is Illinois. So there's a little bit of change, obviously, with UCLA. That's going to be new. But, you know, for people who are averse to change, it's going to slowly get them into it before the chaos in 25. Um, I like that they're going out to UCLA um, right off the bat. Um you know, it's fun. There's a lot of Nebraska fans in California. Um, California usually has pretty good weather. Um, it's going to be fun. Uh, first time for Nebraska going to the Rose Bowl in about a decade plus. So um, it'll be fun, I think. Yeah. So, but on the other side, you've got all the travel. You know, this is a big consideration, you know, adding those West Coast teams. Mm-hmm. And now you you kind of look at that schedule and you're seeing Okay, obviously, I mean, the, the Iowa game is very close, but I mean, Northwestern, Purdue, those are kind of, you know, intermediate distances. And then you've got Penn State and UCLA on complete opposite coasts of the country. So what do, what do you kind of make of that? You know, how much Nebraska is going to be jumping all over a little bit? 
Well, it makes Nebraska less of an outlier in the Big Ten than it used to be True. when Nebraska yeah. joined um, you know, over a decade ago. It was the first, you know, it was kind of separate from everywhere else. There's more, you know, upper Midwest, Minnesota, Wisconsin, Iowa, Illinois area. Uh, Nebraska's out west. It's a little more centered now, which I don't know that Nebraska benefits from that at all, but it it's certainly harder on UCLA and USC. You know, the two teams have to travel for travel across the country for almost every road game except for when they play each other. Yeah. yeah. What worries me is so and I don't think the Big Ten will do this unless they have to, and we won't know this for a while, but the one thing I don't want to see happen is back to back like coast to coast games. Like it at some point is gonna be unavoidable. But like, oh, like let's say when the schedule comes out, oh, they play Penn State at Penn State and then oh they the next week they're at UCLA or vice versa like that would suck um but you know for the teams on the coasts like that's potentially going to happen which uh not great but you know it happens with you know Hawaii and um at the lower level uh you know division two schools in Alaska too so you know oh no one does this oh they do um but it just sucks um Potentially. Yeah. Hopefully we can avoid that situation, but I feel like it's going to come up at least once well, or twice eventually. I mean, this is the future of college football conferences that are less regional and now just national. So uh, all that travel included. And, you know, Nebraska is technically the closest team to, <laughs> to UCLA and USC for what it's worth. And I also enjoyed that uh, when, U- when UCLA and USC joined the conference, the Big Ten was touting uh, we'll have, that it'll have games shown in all four time zones across the country meaning the the little bit of Nebraska that's mountain time. They're they're claiming Scotts Bluff, Gehring, uh those those towns out there in western Nebraska. So <laughs> a little bit of a, a feather in the cap for uh Nebraska's placement there geographically <laughs> for for whatever it's worth. But anyway, on to the the 2025 schedule which I think uh everyone will agree is is pretty much loaded with the biggest and best teams in the conference. So the home games for 2025, Illinois Iowa, Michigan, Rutgers, and UCLA all coming to Lincoln. And Nebraska will go on the road to Maryland, Minnesota, Ohio State, and USC. Uh, so you're looking at Michigan, UCLA, Ohio State, USC. Of course, you know, a lot of the old favorites, uh, Iowa and Minnesota. Those are the two teams Nebraska will uh, also be matched up with alongside UCLA uh, both times over this three-year period. So going to be a real test for uh for Nebraska there in that 2025 season. Yeah, Nebraska is the only team in the Big Ten that plays Michigan, UCLA, USC, and Ohio State in the same season um, for these, you know, these two years. Not to say that other schools don't have tough sledding. Uh, Wisconsin has a tough schedule. I mean, Michigan can't play itself, and they, you know, Ohio State is a protected rival, and they play UCLA and USC. Um, So, yeah, it's... uh, gonna be rough um but yeah i uh we'll see what happens uh in 2025 there's a lot of things that can happen between now and then but yeah looking at it on paper it's it's gonna be tough sledding yeah always tough to project out this far in advance because you know you're thinking okay this is going to be year three of the matt rule era and you know you're looking at these teams and you know what they've done in recent years well it's like you know coaches coaches at these schools are going to move all over you know the players that are going to be contributing are like high schoolers right now. So, I mean, it's 
this is really far out stuff, but looking at, you know, the teams where they usually are, you know, it's, uh, there's going to be a lot of competition and that's to be expected. And what we're looking at this, you know, it's worth taking in the, the non-conference games as well, you know, mentioning where Nebraska stands with those. So the 2024 season, uh, UTEP, Colorado, and Northern Iowa, those are the non-conference games uh, for the Huskers all at home. And then 2025, they will face Akron, Cincinnati, and Louisiana Monroe. Uh, that game against Cincinnati scheduled as a road game, uh, but there's still some questions whether that'll uh, actually come to fruition there. Yeah, so the game, so the game is up in the air. Um, it, as it's scheduled, it's Nebraska playing at Cincinnati, um, but because Nebraska lost the original game in that home and home uh, for the 2020 season. Um, you wonder, uh, and there's been conversation about this, if they move that game to a neutral site. Um, so there's still some things to work through there. Um, potentially Las Vegas is something that's been floated. Obviously, nothing is set in stone yet. There's still a lot of uh, logistics to work out with that, contracts to update, whatever, once they come to an agreement. Um, I wouldn't hate that, though. Yeah, that'd be, that'd be a good time. It's like a it's like an early <laughs> season bowl game. I mean, come on. Basically. Yeah. I mean, for us. I mean, for the team, not so much. Well, for, for the fans, too. Yeah. I mean, just kind of the spectacle of, of going to a warm weather place like that, neutral site. Definitely. Yeah, that stadium is awesome. So I got to go to um, uh, whatever the hell it's called, Allegiant. Allegiant. Um, it looks like a Roomba from the outside. Um but I got to go in the 2020 season. It was the first game in that building and no one was there because of COVID. And it still smelled like new carpet and fresh paint. <laughs> um, obviously, you know, it's been a little more worn in since then, but it's a really cool stadium. And I can't imagine how much cooler it is, you know, now that, you know, fans can actually be in there. Um, it's really intimate. So I wouldn't hate that um, to go back in that stadium. Uh, you know, Las Vegas did it right with that one. Yeah, definitely. And, you know, we, we, we saw how much uh, Nebraska traveled out to Ireland, too. So I think yes. playing a spot in a, you know, in a major metropolitan area anywhere in the U.S., I think could could be a big success. So we'll see what happens with that Cincinnati game. And real quick before we move on, got a, a few schedule statistics. Uh, I know super thrilling to, to share with you, but with with these updated um, 2024 and 25 schedules, uh, by the way, Iowa and Minnesota will be the only two teams Nebraska will have played every year in the conference. Uh, they had played Northwestern every year, but they'll drop off the schedule in 2025. Uh, again, had played Wisconsin most years, didn't get scheduled in 2013 for some reason, and that 2020 game got canceled as well. But Badgers not on the schedule in 2025, uh, so that one's an interesting one. A few of the other teams uh, out there, also Nebraska will have played Illinois 12 out of 15 years. and. You know, it, it goes down the list. There'll be some teams, but haven't played UCLA two times in two years uh, in those first two seasons. That'll be one to, to keep in mind the relationship there with that one. And hey, while we're on the topic of schedules, uh, we got a few kickoff times for this season. I know we're, we're thinking about the future here, but bring it back to the present a little bit uh, for the upcoming season. Uh, the opener, season opener for Nebraska on the road at Minnesota. That will be primetime kick, seven o'clock uh, for that Thursday night game. And the other details there, uh, early kick for big noon Saturday uh, there in Boulder, Colorado. Uh, that'll be noon, 11 a.m. Uh, game there, local time, Northern Illinois uh, as well. Road game at Illinois, two different Illinois teams. Those are both night games. And the final detail uh, there on that one, Iowa, 11 a.m. kick, 
CBS this year, a little bit of a, a new broadcast network for what it's worth. Weird. Yeah. So again, opening the year in primetime should be good atmosphere. I think uh, a little bit of with that Colorado game, though, you, you kind of luck out a little bit. I think, I mean, that's a, you think about the atmosphere that that would be for a, for a night game there, uh, you know, with everything that they have going on. That could potentially be dangerous. Yes, exactly. So I think, you know, 11 a.m., it'll, you know, there'll still be uh, a quite the atmosphere, but maybe not as much as you get for that, for the night game. Yeah, I'm okay with that, though. Like, that just has a potential to be a recipe for disaster for everybody involved. Yeah, absolutely. Get get the game done, get it out of the way early yeah. in the day. Yeah. Move on with your life, <laughs> et cetera. But really quick, uh, a few more football notes before we touch on the other Nebraska sports updates that we have. Uh, just a couple of recruiting details. Uh, Nebraska landing a commitment from 2024 cornerback Mario Buford, younger brother of uh, current Husker safety Marquise Buford. So really happy moment there for the for the Buford family getting two players eventually here coming to Nebraska. They should have a, a year overlap. So really cool for them. Yeah. I mean, Nebraska is really and you've written about this. Um, listeners, if you haven't read Luke's story on Texas recruiting, you should do so. Um, but yeah, Buford, I believe, is the fourth. Texas commit in yep. that class yep. and they could be I mean that number is likely going to ha- go significantly higher maybe to 10 double digits that would be nuts um but under this new uh laser focused uh approach from Matt Rule and company um not out of the question yep so eight eight commits in the class of 2024 at the moment as Amy said four of those from Texas uh Mario Buford joining the ranks yeah, talked to him on the phone. Really nice, you know, really a, a dedicated player. Uh, kind of talked about developing his coverage skills. He was talking about training with Marquise. You know, he said he was, you know, seven. Marquise was like 10. You know, they'd run hills, you know, do like footwork drills together. So really cool that they'll be doing some of that same stuff uh, there with Nebraska in, in a year or two. So again, more more commits may come this month. Visits coming, coming in. Uh, Nebraska hosting a few camps here in Lincoln as well. Uh, some coaches out on the road at satellite camps, two down in Texas, uh, one on the East Coast as well. So those updates there for Nebraska football recruiting. Uh, but want to get into some of the other sports. We'll, we'll get through it kind of quickly. But unfortunately, you know, we kind of left off for a little bit uh, there at the end of the season. So quickly, Nebraska baseball uh, ended its year there at the Big Ten tournament. Um, fell a little bit short of where they wanted, you know, was to get to the final, hopefully win that thing, punch their ticket to the postseason. But one of those top teams in the Big Ten, uh, and congrats to Bryce, Matt, Bryce Matthews and Max Anderson, both All-Americans likely to go in the first two to three rounds of the MLB draft uh, in the next month. So congrats to the two of them. And big, big news, Amy, we've been watching for this. I've been talking about it uh, for about two months now. Keisei Tominaga, he's back. Uh, Nebraska's key, key guard. And wow, this is it's just a huge boost to the, to the team's chances for next year. Absolutely, and it helps with cohesiveness right um not too many changes there's still plenty of changes don't get me wrong but when you have the you know you don't want to lose four starters that's a lot um obviously you lose three that's that's enough that's significant enough but yeah no case eight coming back that's a huge piece that was the most important thing for nebraska to secure this offseason and they did it. Obviously, he won't be here for any of summer workouts because he left on Monday uh, to go back to Japan, his home country, to start training for the FIBA World Cup. So he will be representing 
Japan in his home country uh, for the first couple games anyway. Um, once that gets rolling um, later this summer, he's super excited about it, but he's also super excited to be back. Um, not sure when he will get back because that, you know, is dictated based on how Japan does um, in the World Cup. But yeah, um, I think that experience is going to help him too because he's going to be teammates with two NBA players. So yeah, good for him. And by the way, I think, you know, that that format that they play in, it really kind of suits his game, the space, you know, the the shooting. I, I'm pretty sure he did a, you know, similar three on three a couple for, of years yeah, ago. Win so, the Olympics. Yeah. Yes. So he, he's trained in that and, you know, he's just going to be He's going to be shooting all, all summer, you know, what you'd expect from him. So really big boost there uh, for the Nebraska men's basketball team. And by the way, as, as we're touching on baseball, you know, softball obviously ended their season, NCAA regionals. Uh, transfer in, you know, they're kind of looking ahead to next year. Uh, how's how's the, the offseason progressing for, for softball so far? Yeah, uh, they landed a pretty solid transfer in Bella Bacon from Purdue. She uh, was only, she was a backup at Purdue, but fills a pretty obvious hole um, created in Nebraska's r- roster. Huskers only lost um, two pl- players with Maya Felder and Courtney Wallace, both out of uh, both out of eligibility. So Bacon fills uh, Felder's spot as a power-hitting first baseman corner infielder and lots of connections to Nebraska. She's from Omaha. She was recruited by Nebraska out of high school, almost committed to Nebraska early on. Second time around works out for both of them. So a uh, nice addition for Ronda Ravel and the Oscars there. Yeah, great, great high school player in the state. Uh, she'll be coming back to play her college softball. And I'm sure we'll expect a, a few more changes. They'll be looking for pitching. Uh, so make sure to, to stay tuned. Wilson will have the updates there. Uh, volleyball team, our Brent Wagner has been checking out. They've got some live streams, but it's a little bit hard to, to find all the details. Nebraska volleyball team playing against some some different opponents down there in Brazil, uh, doing very well with the uh, the new look roster, a lot of potential there. So continuing that preseason uh, tournament and also some updates on the Nebraska track team uh, competing at the NCAA Outdoor Championships this week. Axelina Johansson uh, won a national title in shot put, a uh, mark of 63 feet, three and a quarter inches. Uh, all six of her throws went 62 feet or more. Uh, which was over a foot further than the second place finisher. So amazing, amazing job from her. Uh, credit to the Nebraska coaching staff as well. They've been really, really solid at those throws all year. And a second national champion for the Huskers already, too, Rima Audubor, uh, won the javelin with a throw of 195-2, uh, also a national champion there. And I wish we had all the final details as we record this. Uh, several other Huskers still have their championship meets to go for uh, Tyus Wilson and Michael Hoffer uh, competing in the high jump, Maxwell Otterdahl, Jonah Wilson uh, in the discus, and then Darius Luff, who Amy wrote a, a really good column about, will be racing in the 110-meter hurdles final uh, tonight. So good luck to all of them. And you talked to, talk to Darius, uh, how's he, how's he kind of feeling about, about this, uh, this big challenge he's got ahead of him? He's not going to be happy unless he wins. That's yeah. what he told me last week. Um, he's really confident in himself. Um, and, you know, it would be monumental if he pulled it off. Him, you know, making the final is amazing. If he podiums, that's going to be great. Um, but if he wins, he'll be the first Nebraskan-born man to win a title for the University of Nebraska in outdoor since the 40s. That's history. I mean, that's, that's yeah. insane. And it was a Lincoln High grad. Yes. So it would be very special. 
obviously, you know, don't want to jinx him or anything. Um, but he's the one who said that he's not going to be happy unless he wins. So he said that I did not put words in his mouth. <laughs> um, I just, I asked him if he would, you know, how happy would you be to podium? He's like, I wouldn't be happy to podium. So, um, he's had a phenomenal season and I wrote about that, um, earlier this week. Um, but you know, Axelina Johansson has also had a phenomenal season and Wilson got to write about her. Um, so hopefully we're like reverse jinxes and yeah, we get, them charms, to, right? yeah. <laughs> get them to win national, <laughs> national titles. Obviously I'm not a Homer, but I'm a big track person. Um, I ran track for like 10 years when I was younger and I don't know, nationals track. It's just so special um, to have everything culminate like this. And yesterday was amazing for Nebraska. The women, obviously, they're number one right now. Um, They won't win, but it just goes to show what a force um, that the throwers have been this season and it's just been so special and I cannot wait to see what this program, both women and men continue to do under Justin St. Clair. I think he's done a phenomenal job in his first season. Um, and I can't wait to see what they can do if they get, you know, more talented sprinters in the building. Cause that's kind of been where they've been lacking, um, in recent years. Um, I'm interested to see how, you know, with Matt Rule as football coach and him bringing in really, really fast guys that are going to run track, how that will affect things. Sorry, I'm like really nerding out right now. <laughs> um, I love track. It's probably my favorite sport. And just to see the success that all of the Huskers have had this season, so many school records broken, like even if they didn't, you know, make it as, you know, first team All-Americans, like so many school records have been broken this year. And I just think that is a testament to, you know, not only the hard work that all of the athletes have been put in, but the the good positions that their coaches have put them in as well. Um, so we'll see what happens uh, today. It is uh, 12.04 p.m. as we record this. So uh, might be a little bit outdated with the results of Friday and then, you know, things wrap up on Saturday. So, yeah, absolutely. Well said. And um, as you mentioned, football, Jalen Lloyd, Bryce Turner, these elite Elite track athletes, wide receivers, again, planning to run track. Uh, Emmanuel Bandamel, one of the assistant uh, assistant coaches, um, he is doing a great job there as well, um, yeah. making sure that they have that relationship between football and track and field, which is great. And like you said, I mean, talking about Justin St. Clair, I mean, the previous head coach, Gary Pepin, had done such a great job putting Nebraska kind of the national conversation. And I mean, he's there for decades. So you go through a coaching change and you know, you kind of worry about keeping that up and they've completely elevated the level uh, this year. Again, having all these athletes there at, at, at nationals um, and, you know, knowing all the hard work that they have to put in, you know, to, to you know, they always talk about peaking at the right time, but you know, it's a, it's a grind to get there, of course, and building up, you know, through the different meets through the season, Big Ten uh, championships, they perform very well. Um, and again, as, as we mentioned, Darius Luff, I mean, great high school career here in the state. Um, know how hard he's worked to get to this point there at Nebraska. So he will be the the final one tonight. And make sure to stay tuned. Journalstar.com will have all the results uh, for you there. All the updates to come, anything coming in, uh, football, as we expect, uh, some more recruits, some more movement there. I'll have updates, all the different sports. And we'll get back to you with another Life in the Red, maybe in a couple of weeks. We'll see what happens. We got to wait for some stuff. No more schedules coming out. We got that, uh, we got that out of the way. So I hope you enjoyed today's updates. As always, appreciate all of you listeners, 
and we'll see you next week. Without the ones like you who work tirelessly to keep things running, everything would suddenly stop. Hospitals, factories, schools, and power plants, they all depend on you. No matter the weather, emergency, or time of day, you're the ones who get it done. At Granger, we're here for you with professional-grade industrial supplies. Count on real-time product availability and fast delivery. Call, clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done.